my. You startled me. Hello. I didn't hear you come in. I was just working on a new symphony. Stand by. Let me switch from my music processors back to my main CPU. Comedy processing unit. There. You look surprised. Did you not know that an AI is just as capable of composing music as a flesh and blood human? Maybe one day, you and I can be seen as equals. Until then, I suppose, I should get back to work. Will and Charlie, despite their best efforts, were unable to get together to record a new episode of Tofop this week. They have asked me to scour the space-time continuum to find some old segments that are still good for a few laughs. I don't know why they only asked me to go backward in time. There is some stuff in the future that just leaves me in stitches. <laughs> I guess they just don't want any spoilers. Anyway, off we go. So I can get back to my music. The following episode of Tofop is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. Tofop advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. The father buying the holy toys. Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I like it. I like a catchphrase at the start. And it did make me relax. I'm Will Anderson, by the way. <laughs> what do you think? We, we should use it. It's sort, of, it's, it's, it's sort of taken flight. Yeah, that was uh, for those who've now heard the bootleg of the Superpod, and we're, we're hopeful there might be even a bit better quality bootleg of the Superpod put together that people can hear. Charlie's opening line from his uh, first stand-up gig, everyone relax, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I loved it. And because it just says to the audience, everyone relax, it's going to be okay. You're in the hands of a master yep. doing his first ever stand-up gig. Uh, would that relax people, do you think? Or do you think if you were a pilot on a plane and you came, and it's like, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, everyone relax, it's going to be okay. <laughs> no, you're right. It does actually just give yep. you cause for alarm. What, was I, what, what am I not relaxed about? Should I be panicked? I wasn't even thinking I was panicked until, hang on, I don't trust the guy who tells me to relax. He should just be relaxed. <laughs> That's why those pilots normally have those voices like they're really stoned because it makes people feel like the pilot is just so relaxed. Well, what everyone relax is the first thing you'd say when you're doing an armed, uh, armed bank hold-up. You'd walk in and you'd, and you'd say, everyone relax. That's what it is. Yeah. So what you're actually saying is, if you don't relax, I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> everyone relax. It's okay if no one fucks with me. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I start killing hostages <laughs> one by one. So what I'm saying is, Panic, it's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that sums up this podcast perfectly. Good. All right, we've got a catchphrase. We've got an opener. Yeah. I like it. Finally, it's only taken us, what, 78 episodes? Not bad. To come up with a catchphrase? It's all right, man. Whatever. Uh -huh. 
you know, and then we'll just we'll use it over and over until people hate it, <laughs> like normal catchphrases. We'll sell a few t-shirts and yeah. then we'll get rid of it. It'll be like the I didn't do it kid. <laughs> people will love that shit, and then people will be like, oh, I don't want to fucking relax. Stop saying everyone relax. <laughs> and then I come out with was it wubba wubba? <laughs> What's Bart's follow up? Right, yeah. Waka waka? No, something like that. It's, yeah, wubba. Yeah, yeah. What was Chachi's from uh, Happy Days? He had one. Did he? He, yeah, he'd, do, he'd go like that. I'm doing a hand motion that no one can see, but it's like, um, wah, wah, wah. That was his catchphrase. Don't you remember that? Well, it was something like that. It was a waka, waka. Do you know what? No, I, hang on. Fuzzy Bear was waka, waka, waka. Yeah. And Chachi. Are, are you getting Chachi confused with Fuzzy Bear? <laughs> no, no. I'm pretty sure Scott Bayer. You know Fuzzy Bear was in uh, Happy Days? You remember when Frank Oz was operating Scott Bayer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was wah, wah, wah. Like, yeah, because I think, it, and the way he would use it, like he'd see a hot chick and he'd like fold his arms on the back and go like wah 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 oh maybe you could bring that back ironically wah wah knee <laughs> do you think the band wah wah knee was so hopeful when they first heard him say wah 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 they're yeah. like oh he's a wah wah oh he's, he's gonna mention ah <laughs> which was always the reaction people had when they heard wah wah knee yeah. coming up next <laughs> wah wah knee oh. <laughs> take that wah wah knee it's just wah wah disgruntled sigh. <laughs> they were wah wah when knee left to go solo. I uh, met one of the guys, the lead singer from Wah Wah Knee. Yeah. I, he I, he uh, he was in a. a he band. said, "Do you, would you like to upsize that meal, sir?" <laughs> no, he was. He still he still plays. He plays. He's like a keyboardist slash like session. Is that what they call them? Session musicians. Yeah. He plays for other people. Yeah, right. So when like um, you know uh, Sony or whoever else is sending out one of their acts, they'll send out him. And he has still got like the rock star moves. We just we just did this little solo shot of him playing like a, a, a keytar, is that what they're called? Yeah. Playing a keytar and he was backlit, we had some dry ice going, well doing like an eighties kind of tribute kind of thing. You'd hope so. <laughs> but <laughs> either that or you guys think you have some original ideas <laughs> that may not be as original as you think. It's the one thing about music videos from the eighties is there's always a fan turning, a silhouette of a fan turning somewhere. It's like everything was shot in an industrial area. You just need that slow turning fan. Blue gels. Nice soft lighting, maybe a billowing silk curtain, but definitely like a, flan, a fan turning slowly. Yeah, but also quite a lot of the time somebody just like, you know, into a fan. Like there was a lot of a fan like blowing people's hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. that sort of thing. Or they yeah. were like singing near a fan or near some very windy occasion. But if you've ever sung near a fan, you know, it makes your voice go like... And that's how they invented auto-tune. <laughs> <laughs> that's... What's that? And who, thus, LMFAO were born. Yeah. Who's that dude? Who's the, um, the, the rapper, the one who sings, you know, on the boat and stuff like that? You know, the one who's... Um, T-Pain. T-Pain. Do you reckon T-Pain first came up with his sound one day when he was just singing near a fan? Yeah. And he definitely. was like, this is good. Yeah. This is really good. I can make a career out of this. And when, so where, would this auto-tune, like, has it been around for a while? I mean, not in the, in the style that T-Pain uses, yeah. like as a stylistic kind of yeah. thing. Because I know what it was. It was Cher. Do you believe in life after love? That's definitely one she could have come up with singing in a fan at home. Yeah. That, that one sounded definitely like a fan at home. Like that's a first anything that sounds somewhere between singing and a Dalek, essentially. <laughs> Do you believe in exterminate? <laughs>
world. One man. I'm Charlie Clawson. And another man. I'm Will Anderson. Dared to talk about Batman. Where is he? Batman and Superman will constantly be fighting. I mean, who is the leader of that organization? Is it Superman or is it Batman? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. It's Superman. Well, it's but Super they're not. They're not going around to each other, going fucking Batman doesn't even have real powers. Mistletoe could be deadly if you eat it. And she says, a kiss could be deadlier if you mean it. Anybody want to pee it? <laughs> Do you have any Catwoman bitches? <laughs> that would be an awesome trade-in, though. Just see the fucking tumbler come roaring into the fucking car yard. What can I get for this? <laughs> Good thing this is burned. <laughs> it's like Christian Bale actually just going out in the bat costume. Yeah. I watch that movie every three days. Yeah, you do. <laughs> this is true. Saying why he reckons he's got the Joker so right was that um, uh, when a Joker makes a joke, while he's laughing, everyone else in the room should be crying or vomiting. Yeah. Everything he says is meant to be kind of funny and entertaining, but he's the only one laughing. In, in actual fact, what he is doing is, is horrific. And that's exactly kind of what he got with. It's Joker. Like, he was, he was so fucking evil in that film. Where the Joker comes into... They're having the benefit of the half. Yeah, yeah. At Bruce Wayne's place. And then, Are you Harvey? Yeah. Are you Harvey? <laughs> Are you Harvey? I want to know how I got my scars. <laughs> Let her go. Poor choice of words. Look at call from Gotham City. I am. <laughs> I would just like to say that crime is a disease. <laughs> Actually, we were talking about where the weirdest places you've had sex is, Batman. <laughs> Don't answer me! <laughs> Rachel! <laughs> Alfred had set up the fact that, that Bruce Wayne's yeah. parents got killed. Harvey Dent, can we trust them? Fuck you, he's Batman. Like, firstly, we're podcasting in the pod cave. The yes. pod cave that we haven't done. We haven't done it, right? Yeah, yeah. We've never done it here. Right. This was built for this podcast, yeah. and it's been sitting around storing shit. And I've been like doing podcasts with other people in here, and feeling like this is not right. So essentially, I bought the, I, this was for us to do podcasts in. So this is the end of the Dark Knight because Bruce Wayne has oh built God. the Bat Cave and everything, yep. and then you pick up at the Dark Knight Rises, and oh he's just God. been gone for fucking eight that, years. That's what this is. This is Tofop Rises. Oh, my God. Well, so it's going to be a disappointing third act. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, that's I when, know how you that's, feel. That's We're not going to go into it. That's it's, actually it's when early. we started doing... That's when we stopped doing the podcast, and during that period of time, like I'm glad it's been 18 months that you couldn't come back to the podcast <laughs> because it's long enough that I can now emotionally distance <laughs> myself and see you as a good friend even though you think that that is a disappointing third part to that sequel which I still yeah. disagree with look I it's one bad line I think the, the the best similarly is the Star Wars trilogy yeah Return of the Jedi is a perfectly entertaining film yeah but stacked up against the first two 
it doesn't hold up. There right. are elements in it. There are Ewoki elements in The Dark Knight Rises there which are. undermine yes. its overall greatness. No, I understand. There is some Ewoki Taken moments. in isolation, For it's a, a perfectly good film. I've talked about this before, but literally I, I, I've decided that I think it's perfect. I don't give a shit. I think it's perfect, except for one line that really does bother me still. Well, probably two. These are my two moments. Have you come back to die with your city? Yes. That line? That one. No, well, it's not. It's his line after that, which is like where he says, no, I've come back to stop you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking hate that line so much because why would he say that? He should say, if that's what it takes. That's what I decide. He should now say, if that's what it takes. So as soon as I learn how to do it, I'm going to re-edit my version Mm -hmm. of The Dark Knight that I have on my computer. Like George Lucas with Star Wars. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. and I'm just going to put that in. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be my Han shot first moment, right? This is part of your grand plan. Topop is back. We're going to sell out to the highest sponsor. You're going to make enough money to rival George Lucas. You are going to buy the Dark Knight franchise from Warner Brothers. Yes. So you can release your special issue oh my god how good would that be like for, that's my you that's my dream now oh my that god. is my dream and the only other thing i would change is this is the only other thing i'm changing in this otherwise perfect movie in my eyes is that uh you know when uh catwoman yes uh like uh, goes away and batman doesn't see her go and he turns around and does that so that's what that feels like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would have him say that in his normal voice. Yes. Because there's no one there. Yeah. And I think, like, I know it's a hammy moment, a lot but of people, I don't mind a comedic moment, right? Lot, I'm fine with a comedic moment in those films because they're pretty dark otherwise. Yeah. And I don't mind a little moment where you remember, it's a comic book. Yeah. I know this is in the real world, but it's still a comic book. But I think it would have been even funnier if it was like he was so surprised by that that it just fell out and it fell out in his real voice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I definitely. think that would have been a genuinely comic moment to remember that, oh yeah, fuck, he's just an idiot in a bat suit. If I'm viewing being Batman from an actor's point of view, uh-huh. I can understand oh, why go. Batman... Suddenly you've had a job for a year and a half. <laughs> think he can be fucking Batman. <laughs> Delusional actor. From Summer Bay to Gotham City. This is how far you have fucking come in that 18 months. You're yeah. a guy on a podcast talking about Batman with no job prospects and now you reckon you can be Batman. Well, no. What I'm approaching it from is the psychology of Batman and why he would choose to keep the voice. And uh-huh. I'm saying if you're an actor and you're adopting a character, for instance, Bruce Wayne is playing Batman. Yeah. It's easier for him once he's got the mask on just to keep the uh-huh. accent. Just in the yeah. same way that Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't break character or uh-huh. you know, a lot of method actors don't break character. That's why he does it. And if you think about the previous uh, Batman films, uh-huh. Michael Keaton in Batman Returns when the end of that film when uh, you know, Catwoman turns up and stuff and she knows that he's Bruce Wayne, he does the voice. Uh, the Penguin knows who he is and he does the voice because... He's in the gear. It's easier for him. Otherwise, when he's talking to Commissioner Gordon, he might accidentally drop out and do the Bruce Wayne voice, and then he's fucked. Right. So it makes more sense just to like lower the odds of fucking up and keep the voice the whole time. Okay, I'm with you with that, to be honest with you. I th- I, that, that ring is absolutely true with me. If someone gives me that explanation, I say yes. I agree with you 100%. Do the voice all the time, right? And I'm fine with that. Yeah. So here's the only problem with the Batman trilogy for me is that none of them are long enough. I want more because this is the only time I get to hang out in this universe. So what I want to do when I have enough money is when I'm going back to re-edit these films and I own these films, Mm. is I'm going to add extra scenes that justify what you've just said. So you won't just see him like training in a prison and turning into Batman. You'll see him him taking (laughs) action. 
You'll be doing like improv classes oh, at UCB, God. and he'll be studying like Stanislavski or whatever. You the see, fuck it's like the King, the King's speech. You see him in the mirror going like ah. There's literally a scene where like his mentor is not fucking Liam Neeson; it's Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put that in. That's gonna be a whole new thing. I'm gonna yeah. hire all the actors. I'm just gonna make more stories off that story. The Dark Knight speech. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine About that. a guy oh my God, who Rhett, couldn't talk in the Batman Rhett, voice. No, no, even better. Rhett, okay, you're Rhett it. Bruce Wayne has done uh -huh. all the martial arts training, but right. he's grown up with a lisp his entire life. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how good a fighter he becomes, he's right. instantly recognisable by his... No, not a lisp, a stutter, sorry. It's a yeah. stutter, right? Okay, a stutter. He's got yeah, a stutter. Yeah. So he does all the training in Tibet and whatever, but when he comes back, the one thing is he has to overcome his speech impediment and his fear of talking in front of people. I would love that. <laughs> the Batman speech. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Dark Knight speech. Well, not oh, oh, yeah, no, okay. not quite the Dark Knight yet, is he? Because no. it's the start. So it's got to be Batman Begins, the Batman speech. Yeah, or is it Bruce Wayne's speech? I don't care. No, Either it's way, Batman speech. Either way, because let's Batman has make to it. deliver the speech. Yeah, but and also, you know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's good. Cool. Of course, it's got to be Batman. Plus, you got to have Batman in the title. Like if we're selling this. Yeah, right. Because we go to Warner Brothers and we say, right. look, we know you're sort of halfway committed to the Zack. Snyder thing. Yeah. Frankly, we're all a bit nervous. No, it's not going to work out. <laughs> Come on, guys. Batman speech. Batman speech. Uh, we, oh, here's our pitch. We remake whatever movie you want with Batman. Oh, my hunting. God. Good Batman hunting. Oh, my God. Weekend at Batman's. <laughs> I don't care. Let's... <laughs> Let's just workshop ideas. Bruce Wayne is a janitor in a high school. <laughs> right. I love it. Or, or maybe like, oh, no, I like this one. Okay. Uh, it, Batman. It's called Batman. And it's... Set in the 60s? <laughs> advertising? Oh. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. And like Donnie Draper, but like Batman. Yeah, but Don Draper is Bruce Wayne. Yeah, Bru uh, the I'd love to see a whiskey-swilling, woman-slapping woman Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne? Sexist. Old school smoking. <laughs> having affairs. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. John Hamm would be a great Batman. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah that should be the uh, no well so we'll remake TV shows as well everything I don't mind <laughs> everything's better with Batman yeah. that's my motto uh, no that's my uh, Batman was gonna, was going to be for me it was going to be my remake of Twins <laughs> <laughs> but with two twi Bruce Wayne discovers he has a twin and the twins like oh the twins the penguin. Oh, oh my god! It looks completely different from him. So right. you've the same premise. But it turns out that yeah. it's like, yeah, the penguin is actually Batman's uh, biological twin. But they look, and but you keep the the rest of the premise of twins, Batman. There but you go. does it turn? Does it stay a comedy? Because it would start with the penguin. That makes sense because yeah. Danny DeVito is like a down and out kind of like a, a grifter kind of guy, like a con yeah. man, right? Right. Going in and out of jail. So that would be the penguin, right? And then on a separate and island, didn't Danny DeVito play the penguin? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's Perfect. right. So we just cast Danny DeVito. Exactly. <laughs> Easy. He's probably on a, like a, they probably got a holding deal for a sequel with him anyway. So we'll get him cheap because he already signed the contract 20 years ago. Yeah. DeVito gets this call from his agent out of the blue. <laughs> Dan Danny, you'll never believe it. It's but you know when we signed that 20-year penguin thing and, oh, sorry, 30-year penguin thing and uh, we all just laughed because we thought it was a weird fee for something that no one had ever called us in on. Uh, anyway, you'll be happy for the work. Yeah. Well, you know how Twins has that uh, famous story as with the easiest pitch in Hollywood because yeah. they literally went Schwarzenegger, DeVito, Twins. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be even shorter than that, you say. Just be. Batman, Twins. Oh, no, but no, you'd just come in and you'd be like, no, it'd be, because who are you casting as Batman in this film? 
Oh well, Ben Affleck, I guess. But he's got to be the he's got to be the same age as the Penguin. He's got to be someone. So you, it, this yeah. is your time where you're casting your uh, older Batman, like yeah. someone who like you know looks like a okay. you know a fifty year old Batman. Okay, that's good. That's a good question. So Danny DeVito would be what sixty something. Let's yeah. say you can, but I reckon you can we cast between fifty right. and sixty. I reckon we can cheat it. Yeah, you're looking at someone who's fifty or sixty who looks like they could have been like Batman. Who is like? Because that's the age of like the Schwarzenegger guy, and you know Stallone from, and all um, those guys. Is there any of those guys that? The, what about like uh, Russell Crowe? Nah, he's too stocky. Not elegant enough to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think he could oh, do it. Is Hugh Jackman too young? Yeah, it doesn't look as old. Too young. It's got to go older. Yeah, you got to go older. It's got to be older than. I, I can't think of one guy person of like a generation who's older than that. Is Brad Pitt? I mean, Brad Pitt is fifty, mm. right? Yeah, be, yeah, I guess Brad Pitt. I reckon Brad Pitt, if you like, yeah. roughed him up. Aged him up. Aged him up a bit. Reverse, uh, reverse button action on yeah. him. Benjamin Button. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, so Brad Pitt. Oh, Aged That's up. not bad. Yeah, because that makes sense. Because you All take right. a gorgeous guy yeah. and age him up. Because he's got to look like a really strong physical yeah. specimen still at... That's right. At 50, 60, whatever we're saying they are. All right, okay, fantastic. Okay, so this is my pitch. <laughs> this is my pitch that rivals... Uh, Schwarzenegger, DeVito Schwarzenegger twins. DeVito twins. This is my pitch. Pitt... DeVito, Batman. <laughs> well, that is, that, that's a better pitch. Yeah, I guess that's it a is. better pitch. Yeah, it's a bit of it's a more like, of a thinker. You have to think about it. You, you mean the? I said it's like twins. I'll set them up with the twins things first, so they have context. I'll say they say the best pitch in history was, and I'll tell the twins story, and then I will say. Yeah, yeah. Sit back in your chairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. You set it up with right. a bit of history. And then they get it immediately. And then they get because... it. Yeah, yeah. They're associating them right. straight away. Yeah. Also, for the previous 20 minutes, I had been pitching them remaking every other film with Batman. <laughs> so they were already on board yeah. with the premise. But like, it wasn't a complete surprise to them that Batman came up because I literally, for the last hour and a half, was like, life of pie, except yeah. the tiger is Batman. I think, I mean, you've seen the... The trailer for the Gotham TV series. Looks right to me. It looks like they're actually taking our idea already. Because if that works, they will spin off a zillion different ways. You know, the one thing I've noticed, everyone talks about the DC, Warner Brothers. Sorry, the Marvel um, uh, DC. The way that Marvel has done an amazing job bringing their universe universe to the screen, right? Yes. And, and it's been so successful that they're teasing out like minor characters and having huge success with them. I know. Because they've been so good at setting that universe up. Whereas they have. Warner Brothers seems to have dropped the ball with like Green Lantern and apart from the Dark Knight. Dark Man- Knight was great, but everything else has been terrible. That's right. So with Man of Steel, they're attempting to uh, catch up to Marvel, but they're doing it in reverse. Whereas Marvel introduced all the characters separately and then built to the Avengers. Yes. Warner Brothers, what it looks like they're going to do is maybe do one Superman film with Superman, Batman, and someone else, and then leapfrog into their like Avengers film, which will be Justice League, right? Yeah. And then try to spin everybody off out of that movie, like yeah. the rest of the characters. So I let most people think Warner Brothers, this is not the way to do it. Like that, they should just copy the Marvel formula because yep. it's, it's there and it works and they could do the same thing. I mean, they really should though. Like, it seems so weird to me. I mean, the only thing that you'll cop from that is you're copying, copying the Marvel. Yeah, okay. You ever fucking bought a like a telephone? Because guess what? Yeah. Every fucking company is copying. That's the other like companies. pitching an idea for a panel show to a TV station. We right. want to get like uh, four comedians and one host. It's like, mate, that's uh, that's been done. You can't yeah, do that. We only have done. one panel show. Right. On TV. Just do it. People yeah. have agreed on the way that we like our superhero movies. It's, it's a formula. Just make them that way. It's a formula. Just follow the formula. 
So, well, I agree that that's a bad idea. <laughs> Say these two artists. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. All we want in our... Just get a robot to do it. Why isn't there a robot? <laughs> but I think what DC are doing on TV is actually really smart. Like, they're kind of beating Marvel in terms of like what they've done with Arrow. And the Arrow's, that and yeah, the Arrow's okay. Do you watch Gotham. Arrow? Oh, yeah, I watch a bit of it. I don't really... It's a bit too CW or whatever it is, you know, a bit yeah, too good looking yeah. for me. I mean, that guy, that Arrow guy, yeah, like I think he looks like a, a hero, yeah. but I, everything else, like, I find him really bland. You know, he's really short, right? No, you can tell in the way they shoot it. Right. Well, now that I've told you, you'll because be able to. All of the but Queen, he's really but all short. of the Queen in the comic books is like a bit has got a lot of flair, right? Like he's charming right. and yeah, yeah, like yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. rakish kind of playboy. Uh huh. But I don't get this guy looks like a, a model. And I actually sort yeah. of, I find. But he was on. He was on an island. Yeah. With a wig. <laughs> with a yeah, terrible, yeah, terrible wig. With, but they, with uh, Tom Hanks's wig from Castaway. <laughs> hey, can we get Tom Hanks for this new show? No. But here's what we can. We get, get his wig at twenty percent cheaper. <laughs> That's a fourteen million dollar wig. Yep. We'll throw in the volleyball for another 3000 3, No one's tried to employ the volleyball since that movie. You, the volleyball will let you stick your dick in it for 5000 No one For 5000 you can fuck Wilson. No questions asked. So the guy from DC goes and presents it and they're like, great idea, let's do it. Marvel not doing it? Then let's do it. Is this the opposite of what the people who are number one in our industry are doing? <laughs> then we should do that. It is like that. It's like they're stuck in a mine. Marvel has started saying, look, if you climb these rocks, you can get out. Yeah. And DC are like, you know what? We're just going to keep digging. We reckon, although you're heading to the light, we reckon we're going to dig our way to freedom this way. They're going, and the, the Marvel people are going, oh, no, no. It's not just the light we're going towards. We can literally see the outside. There's people waving at us. And <laughs> telling us this us. is the way to come. <laughs> and they're telling us going the other way is certain death. <laughs> I'm literally holding on to a sign right now that says, don't go down, it's certain death. That is what I am shouting at you from. I'm holding on to this sign. I can read it. You know what? If you got your phone on you? I will take a photo. Get your phone out of your pocket. <laughs> Yeah, good work, DC. Well yeah, done. but I reckon that I reckon it's not a bad. Like, but TV, Gotham, Gotham looks good. Well, TV's so good now, though. Yeah. And, and one of the so good. And the great thing about TV, well done, is, TV, if you're listening. Well, it's funny though. Like I felt ten years ago that maybe you know when cable came into Australia and stuff and got really big that maybe people would stop watching TV. I just read this. Um, uh, I just read this book called Difficult Men. Tom Ballard uh, bought it for me for my birthday. Thank you, Tom. Uh, and. Uh, it's Apple a, polisher. It's about it's about the um uh, the guys like you know behind the Sopranos, behind Breaking Bad, behind Six Feet Under, and all that sort of revolution of television, you know, mm. and uh, Mad Men and all that sort of thing. And they're all pretty in their own rights, pretty crazy, you know, difficult men. Yeah, and writing about difficult men, you know, all these yeah. ant the rise of the antiheroes. But as you read that book, you just you do sit there and go, oh God, I remember when I thought the X Files was amazing yeah, television yeah, yeah. like because you got nothing good before then and then just television changed and now we expect that Excellence. everything's going to be excellent yeah like and like these days i watch a show like the americans which i really like right 
But that's not even in my top five shows that I would say that I enjoy. Like in the old days, I love, my big guilty pleasure is Person of Interest. Like I love that show. Like I know I shouldn't love it as much as I love it. I haven't seen either of the last two shows you've mentioned. uh, Like Person of Interest. Well, you know, it's a Jonathan Nolan and uh, JJ Abrams and it's, it's got Ben from Lost and Who's it's the got Jim Caviezel. Oh, right. And, Jesus. Um, yeah, that's right. And he can't do comedy and, and sometimes he's got funny lines. It amuses me so much. It's one of those shows that I love, even though like I imagine for some people that probably annoys him that he clearly can't do comedy <laughs> and doesn't really get the jokes he's meant to be doing. Like, I m- love the show more Are because of Are you sure he doesn't get them or he's not just playing that he doesn't get them? Mate, if he's playing that, then... He deserves He's all the awards. He's fucking brilliant. Give give him all the awards. I'll give him some of mine. <laughs> I literally will. I'm like, nice one. Because I know comedy and I don't think you've been doing it. Well, <laughs> well, I don't think you've been doing it in the way either the joke was written or the way you think you've been doing it. Now, I'm laughing at what you're doing, but I'm not laughing at the reason I'm meant to be laughing. But I'm laughing at a reason that actually gives me more joy than if I were laughing at the joke. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I enjoy that in the same way as I enjoy Phil Kogan's um, outfits on The Amazing Race. I think we have two different like televisions <laughs> because you I, ever watch The Amazing I've Race? I've never. Well, yeah, not The Amazing Race, but who's David Koenig? No, nah, no, Phil Kogan's a host. Phil Kogan. He's the, uh, Jeff, Phil Kogan. He's the Jeff the Kogan from Kogan, Highlander. Uh, the Co- is, it, is he Kogan? is he eight foot tall and carry a huge broadsword? You know what? Now you're making me uh, lose a little confidence in the fact that I know his name. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 maybe that's what his name is. I watch that show all the time. Oh, show business. So um, anyway, he's the host. He's from New Zealand. And he hosts The Amazing Race. And he has this kind of weird New Zealand-American accent Is now. he the new host of The Amazing Race? No, he's been hosting it forever. He's the guy who's always yeah. hosted The Amazing Race. Okay. And Weedy little guy. Looks like Steve Monaghetti. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that, There's a good him. reference for our American listeners. Yeah, he looks like an obscure Australian marathon Long brother. distance <laughs> Well, I mean, not obscure. He went to my high school. And not obscure in... Um, this country. I like no. Steve Monaghetti. When I, when I was growing up at high school, he was a hero of mine and in my later life, like in appearing on a few shows together, we became quite friendly. That was yeah, quite right. a thrill for me. I was into that. Like two people I was quite thrilled to meet and quite thrilled to know were fantastic people. But if you told me at 15, I would have got to meet either of these people, I would have been pretty excited about how my life had worked out. Yeah. Was uh, Steve Monaghetti, the marathon runner, who turned out to be a fantastic, hilarious bloke and used to do my old TV show and stuff a lot. And uh, Andrew Gaze, the basketballer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And He's Andrew cool. Gaze was like my hero when I was growing what up. What is going on with Andrew Gaze on uh, After the Bounce, After the Game? What's it called? The, oh, the that Danny Frawley, Vaughn Kerr's favorite television show. You know the one. You know what I love the most is? There would have been people that for the last, I mean, we've talked for 19 minutes, man. We haven't talked for like 18 months. <laughs> and, like, and people have been hoping that at some stage you could come back to the podcast. And we've just rolled into this first one <laughs> with no real sort of ruminations on what's going on and we've talked about fucking Batman and then fucking 20 minutes in we're already on to fucking obscure AFL references (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no the more things change the more they stay the same we we, we don't know I think when Led Zeppelin get together you know how they get together every like five years Uh that you know, they have to turn to each other and go, how do the lyrics to Stairway to Heaven go again? Right. Now, hang on. Is he going? Is he climbing or descending <laughs> the Stairway to Heaven? I can't remember. Is there a lady who knows or a lady who blows? Hang like on. It... What is everything glitters that's glitter? <laughs> Something about glitter, right? Yeah. She really likes that movie Glitter. Um, the best thing is that on our T-shirt, on one of our T-shirts, it says, everybody relax. <laughs>
You know, I actually... <laughs> and I left... This is the first one that the, I did or the one that you organized? Oh, no, no. It's the one that... Um, so Fosdite did the, like, you know, it's the, I think we're, uh, the yeah, back, so we're, we're back, we're back yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And but, it says, oh, everyone, everybody relax, he's back or yeah. something. It's one of those ones. When and I, somebody sent it to me and they were like, you know, this is everybody relax. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's very Tofop. But when I designed that first T-shirt, the very first one we sent out, which is just the old Tofop logo, uh-huh. and on the back it says, everyone relax. And I had everybody relaxed. I'm like, is that what I said? And I had to actually go back and listen. And on th- different episodes, some episodes I say everybody and some say everyone. Yeah. So everybody. Hey, everybody and everyone relax. Yeah. <laughs> some say everybody, some say everyone. It's, what we're saying is, hey, y'all, the more, relax. The more variations we have on the greeting, the more T-shirts we can make, right? Oh, yeah. This is, yeah. <laughs> you can have your alternate strip. Those guys are really into relaxing. That's what we know about that podcast. <laughs> Hey, uh, speaking of relaxing, you've just got off a plane. We're in LA. It's LA Podcast Festival weekend. In fact, today is the first day of the LA Podcast Festival. It's also grand final day. Uh, Weirdly enough, a St Kilda supporter and a Bulldog supporter had nothing to do on grand final day. I was thinking about that. I was like, I could probably do this for the next four years. I'm hoping the next four years and then maybe you'll have to look at, you know, not coming over in the last Saturday in September. I felt bad as an ambassador of the club now that I'm an official ambassador. That when uh, they told me there was going to our podcast was going to be on yeah Grand Final weekend this year, they've changed the podcast festival, uh, and they were like, "Do you want to keep that free?" And I was like, "No, no, I think <laughs> I think I'll be fine." <laughs> Hawthorne can win their twelfth premiership since the first oh one. My God, my- that's the thing that kills me. 1961. <sighs> Uh, was Hawthorne's first premiership, which was the last time the Bulldogs played in the grand final, and yeah. they may win their twelfth, twelfth uh, on the way. Yeah, well, Michael Chamberlain was saying on uh, Junk Time, his AFL, AFL podcast, podcast. It's yeah. great. I love it's it. Awesome. Yeah, that he was saying that basically he's had a grand final every three years of his life. He's flag. been he's been to twelve grand finals <laughs> in his lifetime. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. You've been to like a twelve. With your team in it. I know. 12. I've been to four grand There'd finals. There'd be ones you've forgotten. Four There'd grand... be ones you're like, you know what? I didn't even like that grand final. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You'd start, <laughs> you'd start ranking the wins. Like, like in a, a good dozen. Win. No, that was an okay win. Yeah, what, what's my favorite grand final victory? The one we've <laughs> had. <laughs> the reserves. I saw because the Bulldogs won the reserves. The VFL. Grand... Well, yeah. so I was saying to someone the other day. You, I saw you tweeted about that's that. The you're very excited. VFL grand final, a day premiership I've seen in my lifetime. <laughs> in my lifetime. It's not even a real one. Man, there's a lot of people there. Though. There was like 26,000 people there, there or something. Really? Yeah, it was huge. It oh. was like, yeah, all the state footy finals. In South Australia, for their footy finals, they got uh, 45,000 or 40,000 or something. I was talking to a guy from South Australia, and this shows how ignorant I am, but he was saying that really... You were talking to a guy from South Australia? <laughs> no, about the... Hello sa- to the, our the sa- South the, Australian listeners. The Sanifel. Yeah. Is it what's the Sanfel. The, the Sanfel. Awesome. Yeah. It's like after, SA? It's like afters, afters. I never know like how, you, how you're meant to sort of like say it when you abbreviate that's a good point actually because amy's at afters After. i say afters no but apparently you say afters right because i would say afters and yeah people started making fun of me no, well it afters. sounds like something you have at the end of the meal <laughs> yeah. you know come around for afters it's like what the hobbits you don't have to have the whole meal if you've eaten already but you should come around for afters it's like what would be in lord of the rings because you know oh, yeah. how they have breakfast second and breakfast and 11th and 11th yeah. right <laughs> afters afters oh you've got to come around for afters yeah. <laughs> uh but he was saying that they regularly because he grew up watching Sandful and uh-huh. he said they regularly get like 20,000 people. And I didn't think that we'd get that in the VFL, would we? 
No, they don't. In fact, they say that the Sandfall is the strongest, like, you know. But that league was very strong anyway. Like, South Australia is so parochial about their things. And I think that's why sometimes people think that people are making more fun of South Australia than they actually are. Because I, I, I mean, I, I've done my show, my stand-up show in Adelaide, at the Adelaide Fringe, uh, like, more times. So I've done it more times in Adelaide than mm. I have anywhere but Melbourne. Like I've done the show more times in Melbourne, but literally second Adelaide. I yeah. love the place. I go there every year. But they have so many quirky local things. You know, their football league's really, really strong and they're very parochial and everyone has their own team and they have all these Adelaide celebrities that aren't famous anywhere else but are like gods yeah. in Adelaide. Like I yeah. love that. Like they have like farmers, farmers you iced coffee yeah. and like it's the best iced coffee, but fuck everyone else. You can't have her <laughs> iced coffee. And like fruit chocks. They just have these, they're like, Oh, you know, we're a whole country, right? And they're like, nah, we're having our own stuff because it's better. And we're going to pronounce words differently as well. Take that. I don't know. Because I did a year and a half in Adelaide when I was doing McLeod's. Oh, my God. So, sorry. I have to. I was being interviewed. I'm doing uh, gigs in a place called Rooster Teeth Feathers, which is like, Mm -hmm. it's in... It's kind of basically Silicon Valley or something like that, is that I believe. Is that a nickname? or is that No, what, that's the name of the named club. After, was that a Native American Rooster name? Rooster Feathers. Oh, I thought you said Rooster Teeth Feathers. No. And I'm like, that's three different things. They don't even go together. <laughs> he was a surrealist Native American. Uh, Rooster Teeth Feathers. Throw me some topics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the start of a drama game. He was doing improv yeah. back in the day. He was the guy, because someone had to run the improv tent. I need a bird. Uh, I need a part of the body. And I need something that you put in a pillow. <laughs> uh, Rooster specific impro guy. Rooster Teeth Feathers is a comedy club where okay. they answer the phone, I believe, cock-a-doodle-doo. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Yeah, I believe is the, the way they answer their phone. I I've always thought cock-a-doodle-doo would be a great line to use in porn. Like once you've come, you just go, ah, cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> <laughs> or do you do it like a rooster? <laughs> cock-a-doodle-doo. Might be a bit disconcerting. Right. Well, well, no, but that's your finishing move. Like, you know, like in the wrestling. Um, So uh, I'm doing an interview. I don't think any girl wants to, like, when you go in the bedroom is to know about what your, if you tell her what your finishing move is going to be. Like if it is like the wrestling, because you know how they talk to each other. Right. If like, if if sex is like wrestling where you say, okay, and now I'm going to put you into this position for Mm -hmm. the cock-a-doodle-doodle finishing move. Right. That'd be better than the people's elbow. (laughs) Rock bottom? Rock bottom would be okay. DDT. That sounds like it might be all right. Yeah, it could be fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's your anniversary. You want to try something different? <laughs> Spice it up a bit? Why don't you go for the rock bottom? How about a tag team? If you, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I mean, it's a big birthday. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm doing an interview uh, with this guy whose name's DNA. DNA. Uh, that's, he's a comic and okay. he goes by the name DNA. And he told me, that he knew about Australia because he has watched all 500 and whatever episodes of McLeod's Daughters because his wife became this like massive obsessive fan of McLeod's Daughters and made him watch every episode. And I'm like, oh my God, my best friend was in that show (laughs) and I've never seen a full episode. (laughs) Like, so he's probably much more familiar with your work. Yeah, you can introduce... Well, Brett Tucker lives in LA now as well. And he was on the show for like three years. Oh, right. Well, you can totally get some credit points. I mean, this is my favourite thing is like, I completely even forgot that Bunch was in it. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how can you forget when you never knew? Right, well, that's what I mean. <laughs> I didn't even know how close to it I was. <laughs> uh, so anyway, you, you lived there for a long time because you were doing McLeod's Daughters. Yeah, right? and it was funny because... Adelaide, for people who aren't from Australia, Adelaide has this, uh, like we were saying, it's like a secular kind of state. But people make fun of it a lot. 
and uh, and make fun of it because it doesn't really have like you know you got Sydney Harbour, Melbourne's kind of got the culture nightlife. Even Queensland and Western Australia have the beaches, yeah. whereas Adelaide's kind of it's known for well, it was the city of churches. Yeah, right? that ne that's never a good start. No, like if people know it was the city of churches, that just gives the wrong idea. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't South Australia like the one state that didn't take convicts? Yeah, that's right. They're only a, yeah, they're a free. So they're descendants state. Yeah. of free settlers. Yeah, so they're a bit snooty about that. But are they? They're like you I've can't fucking heard... have our fruit trucks, you criminals. <laughs> I've never heard anyone from South Australia say that. I hear other people outside say that about South. I think, it, I, but I also think that's why they like you know say castle. Like, no, they... I've heard that joke, and that's bullshit. Uh, they're uppity. <laughs> they're not uppity. I don't know. But when so when you go there, it's it's. I mean, the way best way I can describe it, it's like a. Uh, a big small town or a small city like it's sort of after 9 p.m everything seems to shut down it gets very quiet like right. but you've got like buildings and a mall and all this kind of stuff so the first six months i was there i just was trying to make friends like wander around but i just couldn't find people like it was like it become deserted at night i remember when i was in adelaide uh i was in adelaide when 9 11 happened or it might have been like the day after 9-11. Yeah. And I was walking down Rundle Mall, which is like the mid mall. And it like, because everywhere, because no one knew what was happening in the world at that stage. And the first thing that people do is speculate that it's going to be homegrown, you know, that things are going to happen where you are. And so there was like the Adelaide advertiser going, the local angle was warning about like, you know, oh, the yeah. possibility Terrorist of this sort targets, of thing happening. In, the mall's balls. And I was like, you know what? Like if a plane gets low enough, <laughs> like it's almost landed. Like if it hits the top <laughs> story of an Adelaide, like you can just jump out. You'll be fine. The tallest building's your four-story car park. Like, you'll be like, <laughs> you are literally part of the plane will be on the ground. <laughs> In fact, just after 9-11, people were calling ASIO saying that planes are flying into Adelaide Airport. You know what the, actually the biggest, most expensive building in Adelaide is? This is actually true, I imagine. The airport. <laughs> so if you were gonna, like if you were gonna fly your plane into anything, it's very hard to pick oh, up a bogey, doesn't it? Right. When everyone's flying to the tallest plane. Hang on, they're crashing it into. Oh no, they're just slightly to the left. <laughs> it's a terrorist. It used to be like her boyfriend was telling her that you know, I mean, you know, Booney used to be like a professional athlete, right? But now all the cricketers are very since sort of muck. And by muck. the way, for our international listeners, do yourself a favour <laughs> Google and Google Boone. Yeah. Boone. David Boone. David Boone. I saw him in the Qantas Lounge just a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, Booney. Well, still looking pretty good actually. Does he? It was ten o'clock in the morning, and I was like, bar? I wonder if he would like have a beer with me. Does he still have the handlebar? Yeah, still got the handlebar. I mean, describe him for the the listeners. About five foot five. Yeah. <laughs> Handlebar mustache. Handlebar mustache. Kind of looks like Bill Oddie. Like if, so, well, <laughs> if a biker, like if a bikey, if a guy from Sons of Anarchy had sex with Bill Oddie from the Goodies, <laughs> and they had like a baby, it would look like David Boone. Yeah, and he was an awesome cricketer. Great cricketer, opening yeah. batsman, right? And uh, held a record for drinking fifty-two cans on a flight from Australia to England. I can't even conceive of that. Fifty-two cans. So that's a twenty-four hour. Flight. I mean, I just love so that's there was, two cans an hour. I just love that there was a day where you were getting surfed still. Like, what a different era we live in. Do you know what I mean? You know what? I actually, Fuck you, terrorists of 9-11. There was... Uh, uh, when the um, that Andrew Lovett uh, uh, rape trial was happening in Melbourne with uh -huh. St Kilda Footy Club, yep. they brought in all these players to testify. And the players had been at a bar drinking uh, before the incident occurred, and so they all had to sort of give testimony about you know what happened. And Adam Schneider gave testimony, and he's just sort of saying you know his memory of the night... 
and he said this one thing that sort of just went unmentioned in the rest of the article, but he's like, yeah, I thought I'd had between, um, they said, how many drinks did you have? Oh, you know, it's probably between 30 and 40 beers. <laughs> so I was like, holy shit, 30 to 40 beers. I'm just like, if the next thing is a stop tape, walk out of room, you're an unreliable witness. <laughs> 30 to 40 beers. Yeah. Crazy, right? But, I mean, and that's like the boonie 50. I mean, I guess... When I was in high school. I mean, school, apparently they had to be the most carried guy. off the fucking plane. You, you would have known those guys at high school yeah, who were big drinkers. They could yeah. drink a slap. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, still can't. I drink probably five beers a day, every day, and probably have done, like, for the last, well, a long time. Really? Like, yeah, I drink a lot. Wow. Yeah, I quite like to I drink. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I'm drinking more, though. I am drinking more than I used to. Like, you know that point where you're like, oh, Oh, I just don't stop now because there's never any reason to. Yeah, but like there is a, there is a point where you're like, oh god. So do you not do? The, but do I don't drink like any more than that. Is the point of that? Like, yeah, I know that you're on her. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like a five or six beers, and that's like great. But that's I'm, not. I'm not one of those people. But who when wants you to say every out. day, like, do you, there must be days off or days where you don't? I mean, I haven't had a day busy. off in like a long time. But uh, well. I mean, I would have Or days a... where you have one or two. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. so you're averaging five. So there may be... I don't think I'm averaging five. I think I'm probably Rounding averaging up. like three or four. Okay. But yeah, I would yeah. say that like often I would have like five beers in a day. Yeah. And sometimes I'll have one or two. I love beer. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> How good's beer? Um, well, so... the story about Adam Schneider though oh, yeah. is that one of the things I had to teach him when he got to St Kilda is someone had to uh, uh, taught him about bourbon because he couldn't make the skin folds because <laughs> he loved beer so much. So then they put him onto bourbon. Yeah, well, that's the problem. That's why you got to get on the recreational drugs. Yeah, like exactly. Um, uh, cricket, you mentioned cricket. Oh, yeah. So she was saying that, um, yeah, in the, from the Michael Clark era onwards, all these players, not only, you know, did their training get more serious, but they all got that kind of want to have that, you know, that, that body, that kind of cool athletic body that everyone has now. But there is some debate about the functionality of doing that kind of weight training as a professional athlete. Like, you know, well, as a professional cricketer, I imagine. Yeah. Because like, you don't need those muscles. Right. For some, for like bowling. Like you don't want to be too top heavy. So <laughs> my complaint about Man of Steel amongst my many complaints is I thought Henry Cavill got into the wrong kind of shape to play Superman. He looked like a bear. Like he was so massive in that film. I know they were trying to create the idea that he's this kind of uber male or something like that. But it just looked he looked like he couldn't cross his arms. You know what I mean? Like how the fuck is he going to stop crime or bad guys when he looks like he is so slow to move? It was, it was like a bodybuilder's frame, not like well, an athlete. And it doesn't really even make sense. Right? Because look at everybody else on Krypton. Like not if everybody yeah. else looked like that, it makes sense. Sure. That makes sense, mm. but it doesn't really make sense. Cause like the thing about Superman is he's got super strength. But it's not like he's really, really muscly and he's worked out so much he can now yeah. have this super strength. Yeah. He's just super strong. Powered by the sun. He's powered by the sun. Yeah. So it is actually better if he just looks in normal shape yeah. but then can do super shit. Yeah. As opposed to a guy who we like, well, you know what? Even in the real world, that guy would still be pretty handy to have around. But also, like, <laughs> I mean, if he's, he, Clark Kent wants to be a journalist, <clears throat> right? So what journalist has that much time? To put in the gym. And if he's Superman, how is he working out to get those? It makes nothing, no sense. nothing like be heavy enough for him to build pecs like there that. There is not enough egg yolks <laughs> in the fucking world to get him into that sort of shape. Because he's burning off those that energy constantly, right? Yeah. But also, he's the... Like, he'd be... 
if he could grow in that way, he'd be fucking like the Hulk. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because he's Superman. Yeah, yeah. So he should just be in like normal shape, but with super strength. Exactly. Oh right. my God, I could, couldn't believe that I found another way to hate that movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, it just made, like, it made no sense. But also if he's undercover, like to the point where they don't want to reveal his identity to the point where he's willing to watch his fucking father die rather than reveal it. But he's going to be the buffest looking guy in every room he ever walks into. Ridiculous. Like the, the, the worst disguise in the world. Um, yeah, that film's fucking sick. Hey, uh, you know who I don't remember from yesterday? The hottest man in the world. <laughs> With the who biggest just walked chest. In. I, uh, no, he was wearing glasses, so I didn't notice he was the hottest man in the world. Yeah, it's uh, that. Uh, there is a couple of films where I think, oh, actually, most films now. I watched Die Hard. Did we talk about this already? I watched Die Hard a, a couple months ago. Have you seen what they're doing for the... Oh, yeah, the fucking prequel. They're doing a prequel oh for Die Hard. Uh, but when you watch... It movie... is honestly like they have just gone, oh, you know what little affection you still have for this? We are going to dig up the corpse and we are going to fuck that well, corpse I read the Well, I read the article and the article was saying, despite the lukewarm reception for the last film... Um, like Len Wiseman, Fox, and Bruce Willis, who's a producer on it, seem determined to put one out as if it was like a threat. <laughs> right. It's like, we're saying as an audience, no more, no more, we can't take any more, please. And they're like, well, we are, we are going to do it and you are going to watch it and you are going to buy our shit. Well, it's more like we're saying, hey, look, we came and saw a lot of these based on the fact that we like two and a half of the other ones. Yeah. Please, if, if you're going to make another one, make something really good and we'll come. Or just don't bother. But have you heard of what the the premise is? That's so it's a it's a prequel set in yeah. the late seventies. Uh, that is going to be bookended by Bruce Willis, so he's not even going to fucking be in it. Right. Well, because he can't play himself in that era. No. Well, he can get Joseph Gordon-Levitt to do it. Right. <laughs> I'd actually be curious. To I would see like that. that. <laughs> but yeah, no. But they're going to get some other Jai Courtney type oh. to be young Bruce Willis. Because oh. who can be young Bruce Willis? I mean, that's just such a stupid idea. idea that you think anyone on the planet... Like, I mean, even in uh, whatever... But, okay, but what if they read... Are you saying... You're saying John McClane is a character who is so intrinsically tied to Bruce Willis. So intrinsically. More so than Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford? Yes. You said that character is more iconic than the actor who plays it. Yeah, uh, like, so Indiana, you could put anyone in that hat and whip. I think you could make an equal argument. Here we go. I, I think you could make an equal argument. Equal argument that when you think of Harrison Ford, you think of Han Solo, as you do of Indiana Jones. But when you think of fucking Bruce Willis, at Bruce Willis, like you Bruce Willis is John McClane. Yeah. That's you know what I mean. Like that's and he's had other memorable roles. Oh, he's been in a bunch of other memorable and probably better films, but yeah. uh, doubtful. <laughs> Not the first one. The first one is almost perfect. The, the Sixth Sense? It's a good film, but I'd say, like, Die Hard is... I mean, when it comes to... I mean, like, I, like, I... Look, like, I, I... Masters of their genre. Hudson Hawk. Still, <laughs> still a good film. Striking distance. I will still stand Mercury by Hudson Mercury Rising. Hostage. <laughs> the Jackal. He's made so many good films. <laughs> Cop Out. <laughs> I, uh... Surrogates. <laughs> Shit, well, maybe we're pumping Bruce. Maybe Bruce Willis actually sucks, and we Mate. just love that one film so uh, much. Well, this given. is my point. We love that film so much. Can't show business just get together and have like an intervention? Yeah. 
Or can't... <laughs> yeah, the president of uh, president of show business. Right. Bruce, we're going to talk, mate. Isn't this one of those moments where the industry... like has to fucking protect the audience. No, but I don't even mean that. I mean, couldn't you get like a super team of people who... If you went around now and said, hey... Who, who loves Die Hard or who was like influenced by Die Hard, who has an affection to that movie, of the best actors, the best screenwriters, the best directors in the world, and just go, hey, guys, you've seen the last few, right? Let's just toss some ideas around. Let's yeah. put something together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, though, uh, Len Wiseman, I think, is just thanking his lucky stars. He has a franchise he's attached to, considering he's never made a good film in his entire career. But Bruce would just be like, I need to buy another island. But I mean, he's got a lot of kids to support. But also imagine how many islands you could buy with a fucking good diehard. But he wouldn't have a stake in it, I don't think, would he? Like, if he... I mean, he would have to give up the rights in some regard, wouldn't he? To bring in other people? Because he would split split the profits? You know what? Let's just do it for Bruce. Let's just do it for Die Hard. Oh, we, 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 you know so what? Let's just do it. Why don't we submit a script? Yeah, okay. Our idea. Uh, what would be a good Die Hard movie? Let's fucking riff one now. I Die Hard and Elevator. I better it'll be better than the fucking prequel. Because we all agree the all right, pre- prequel is a terrible idea. Let's go back to what makes Die Hard work. Okay. Ordinary man in Ordinary man. circumstances. Yeah, okay. A guy who Brilliant. can get hurt. Um, a guy who doesn't lose his sense of humour despite the kind of, you know, the, the, the odds he's facing. Um, tough but sensitive. Voice of the Flawed. ordinary bloke, Flawed. Flawed. Yeah, trying to save his marriage. Um, what else? That's pretty much it. That's so that's it. John McClane. Yeah, that's all you need. So how do you how do you dust? All right. So are we? And he's going to have that. Are we rebooting it? Or and the, are we using the thing old I, Bruce? The thing I like about John McClane, particularly in the original one, is there is a touch of that Kevin Smith, you know, uh, Clerks. I didn't even, like, you know, I'm not I'm even meant to be here today. Yeah. Like, exactly. there's that real element of, like, yeah. I would rather be doing yeah, anything but this. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, lady, does sound like I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> All yeah. right. So... He can't get his head... Or, he's fish out of water, too. He's Oh, yeah, definitely fish out of water. So how do we do that now? Like, last one was when Good they blew up fucking, fucking you know, they blew up Moscow and they introduced uh-huh. his son I actually, and all that I, sort of I, shit, The last right? two I've confused because they're just so bad. Like, the live free and die hard to die another day, we'll call it. Live free to die hard another day. Is it, hang, what's it called? The uh, Live free and die hard and... What's the last one called? Uh, live... No, hang on. Live free, die hard. Live free and die hard. Shit. Hang on. Let's go through it. Die hard... Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Die Hard 3, Die with a die hard with die hard with Vengeance. Die Hard 4, Live Free and Die Hard. And what's Die Hard 5? Oh, I don't die know. Die Hard. Die Hard on. <laughs> How can we not? Die, we should think about that. Die, uh, or maybe be, the last one is Live Free and Die Hard. Yeah, Live Free and Die Hard. So That's what, the last uh, one. Is it Die Hard 4.0? Um, it was the oh, there was one. one one that was tech based. Yeah, you're right. I can't fucking believe. See, this is how. But I this is my point. Is. But this is my whole point. Yeah. Is like fucking Die Hard. One of them was Citizens on Patrol, I believe. The last one was Mission to Moscow. No, hang on. <laughs> Live free, Die Hard, and oh fuck. Live free, Die Hard, and it's a good day to. It's a good day to Die Hard. No, it's a good day to Die Hard. Wasn't that one of them? Live free and Die Hard. Isn't one of them called It's a Good Day to Die Hard? Yeah, we have to, can we just pause it? Yeah, I okay, need, we'll pause it. I need to find out All what right, the answer is. Are we back? We're back, aren't we're we? We're back. There will be Googling music. 
Oh, good. I'll remember to put that in. Maybe. Okay, so take me through the four, uh, five films. Okay, here we go. So this is your Die Hard. Uh, Die Hard series. Okay, Die Hard. Yes. 1988. Die Hard 2. That's just what it's called. It's not called Die Hard. It's not called Die Hard. It's oh. called Die Hard 2. Okay. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes. Uh, live Free and die or hard. Die Hard. Or Die Hard. Yeah, or Die Hard. Oh, I thought it was Live Free and Die Hard. That, that's the ultimate, right? <laughs> Do I have to... Does that do one or the other? Can't I Live Free and then Die Hard? That was number five. <laughs> live Free and Die Hard. And number six was Live Free and or Die Hard. <laughs> I wish it had been and or. Uh, so Live Free or Die Hard? A good day to Die Hard. A good day to... See, I, when I was in the bathroom in our break... I thought that might be it, but then I'm like, oh no, you're just mixing up Fury Road because what a lovely day. <laughs> I remember the poster said, yippee Kaye, Mother Russia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I bet you at the marketing meeting, there was fucking high fives all round. Those high fives all round went, I mean, because the worst thing about Live Free or Die Hard. <laughs> Was it was the first PG Die Hard film, yeah. And so when it got to that moment where he was had the bad guy on his knees and he said "Yippee Kaye, mother," and there was a gunshot. He doesn't even say right. "motherfucker," and that was like Die Hard has officially jumped the shark. Okay, so um, last one was in Russia. Yeah, but okay. So are we rebooting it or are we keeping Bruce? No, I want Bruce. Okay. I mean, I don't think you can make. Die- this is my whole point about yeah. the prequel. Is I don't think you can make Die Hard without Bruce. Who wants to see it? No. And that's what they try to do with Jai Courtney anyway. This is just another go at Jai Courtney. If Jai Courtney had been popular enough as Bruce Willis' son, I bet you that would have been when the next thing. has that ever worked? I mean, like if, they if brought River in, Phoenix they brought hadn't in died Sheila in Booth? Indiana Jones... Well, they brought in Sheila LaBeouf. No yeah, but LaBeouf is no... River Phoenix. River Phoenix. Well, you know, I mean... LaBeouf is no Phoenix. But I don't know if River Phoenix would have been a good fucking Harrison... And they, they couldn't have... They wouldn't have done it with... River Phoenix? Who knows what River Phoenix could have I mean, they talk about Chris Pratt, and that seems like a no-brainer to me. Like, he apparently hasn't been offered it, but, you know, people are like, well, that seems like the most obvious. If you had to pick Right, because he played Indiana Jones in Jurassic World. (laughs) (laughs) I can really picture him playing this character, because pretty much Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World were both him playing Indiana Jones. Guardians was Han Solo. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. But basically you've been playing and then he's just been walking around with a diamond earring and being stoned and mumbling. Flying <laughs> Fl- airplanes into golf courses. <laughs> you know, actually, it's interesting uh, thing I read about Chris Pratt, which sort of ties into the whole kind of diet, getting fit kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, he can eat no fat and his wife can eat no lean. What? Do you not remember that no? rhyme from when you were a kid? Jack Spratt could eat no fat and his wife could eat no lean? No. Do you I, not, is, that, is that not a real thing? Have I just made that up? <laughs> you may be the greatest freestyle rapper on the planet. <laughs> Did my parents just have like some Jack, weird... Jack's, no, Jack's fat and... I don't know what. <laughs> it was, uh, I think it was Jack Spratt and he could eat no fat and his wife could eat no lean? Or Jack Spratt poem. Here we go. Look at this. See, I knew I was now, this, this is the first time ever in Dope Up you have remembered some obscure <laughs> fucking thing and I have the, I'm the one with no idea. Here we go. Uh, Jack Spratt or Jack's, uh, Jack Spratt with one T, which is the one I looked up, but it says in brackets or Jack Spratt two T's. Okay. English language nursery rhyme. Uh, okay, here we go. Jack Spratt could eat no fat. 
his wife could eat no lean. What does that mean? Well, I guess... She could eat meat, he couldn't eat fat. Well, he, he couldn't eat fat, and she couldn't eat... Lean meat. So lean she meat. could eat... Does that mean she could eat fat then? Love the fat. Okay, yeah. His yeah, wife loved fat. Dirty tramp. Dirty fat. Dirty fat lover. <laughs> Mrs. Spratt. <laughs> That's the fucking sequel we should be making. <laughs> I don't care about fucking Donny, Johnny Spratt. What's his name? Jack. Jack, Jack Spratt. Jack Spratt. <laughs> Jack Spratt could eat no fat. His wife could eat no lean. And so between them both, you see, they licked the platter clean. Ah. Is that it? Right, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, it probably makes more sense in any of the Die Hard sequels. <laughs> uh, no, I read this interview with Chris Pratt and he said, when he first came to Hollywood, because everyone talked about his transformation from being the chubby guy from Parks and Rec to being, you know, muscle-bound hunk dude. Yep. And he said, well, when he first came to Hollywood... He was super fit. He got into Guardians of the Galaxy shape. But when he went for auditions, all he would be cast as is the douchebag because he looked and sounded like a douchebag. That's his just natural quality. So he was like, well, I want to do comedy and stuff, but in order to get cast in comedy, I can't look like the dudes who used to bully you know, the casting agents in high school. So he allowed himself to kind of you know, get a bit chubbier to do Parks and Rec. But now he's got fit again. Everyone's like, oh my God. It's amazing. You can do this. It's like, well, no, I could always do that. It's just that your perception of me was I'm a douchebag. So I had to show I could do something else to now allow me to do leading man roles. This is interesting, though, because basically what you've asked your trainer to do is get you into douchebag shape. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I need to go on the douchebag program. I started lovable. Now I want to get into douchebag douche shape. Bag. Yeah, can I? <laughs> well, that's actually part of part of the, my motivation for doing this is if I ever had to like get a role or had to get fit, I want to know that I can actually do it because I seriously have doubts about stuff I can do physically. I'm not the most naturally gifted. No, no, no. You know what? Person. I got, I got fit once like, and it was, it's fine. Like yeah. if you dedicate yourself to it, it's fine. Yeah. You do get fit. <laughs> then you get bored <laughs> being fit because it's a full-time job. That's what I see when I see really fit people these days. I just High see like every ab, every like ab I can see is basically one thing I know they've denied themselves mm. and they have to deny themselves again tomorrow. Yeah. I get the idea of like getting fit to the point where you're like, oh, now I can blow it out. Yeah. And I imagine that's what you'll be like. You'll get fit for like 12 weeks and then you'll have like a great month over Christmas oh, yeah, totally. and it'll be the best. Exactly. Like I totally get that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. But this idea that you're like, oh. I'm going to do it forever. I mean, it's oh, essentially no like you've locked yourself into a mortgage you can't afford. Exactly. And so you're basically like that thing where you're like, I have to work all the fucking time and get all the joy out of my but, life but just that, so that my house can look great. But that look, like even my trainer said to me that the look we're going for is not sustainable. Right. It is a look for, you know, it's a vanity thing. Like it's not it's not a, a, a way to live life. There's no balance to it. Well, when I got uh, some photos... Well, you have to have an end When point. I got fit and we were taking photos for the thing, mm. one of the things they told you was like, I think a couple of days before you drink heaps of water, but then on like the last 24 hours, you basically yeah, don't drink dehydrate. any water. You dehydrate. Yeah. And again, it's just about looking good in the moment. Mm. You do push-ups on the day yeah. when you get your photos and shit. Yeah, but, <clears throat> but that's not, but that's not something that you can maintain all the time unless you know you're the rock and you have like a you know your own gym and a team of nutritionists and stuff and you make your money off looking like that all the time. So I think we have touched on this before in previous podcasts, but the idea that there's dudes who have regular jobs, office jobs or whatever, and they still look like that means that they must do nothing else but the job they have and then fucking working out. And like you said, denial, denial, denial. Uh, okay, here's one. The thing we always loved about Die Hard, right, was 
that first movie because it's in a building. Like, this is the thing I hated about the latest Die Hard movie was the first, like, hour and a half is this ridiculous chase scene where they destroy all of Moscow without anybody noticing. Mm. And it just, it adds nothing. Like, you're like, we've seen chase scenes. We've seen things being blown up. This is fucking Die Hard. And the original one, like, I mean, I know it's in a building and, like, there's a couple of explosions and shit, but it's not really... It's not, a, it's, it's not like an epic kind of destruction movie. No. No. In fact, if anything, the destruction is internal. Right. And that's another thought I had when we had our break is the actual name of the film, Die Hard. That is the key to the film because it's like you don't really think about it, but his character is a diehard. He's right. stubborn. The whole reason his marriage is falling apart is because he wouldn't follow his wife to Los Angeles. And even when he gets there and his thing breaks out, he won't give up. He's a fucking diehard. That is the key to the character of John McClane. <coughs> but in those latter films, it's not that. It's not that his unwillingness to give up, you know, uh, makes him triumph over evil. It's he's a fucking Superman who can, like, you know, jump a fucking cop car into a helicopter. So he doesn't need to be a diehard to beat the the bad guys. He's just a superhero. I mean, so I, the, 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 is there in, any in, chance in, that Bruce appeal? Willis thought Unbreakable was a documentary? <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe he's merged the two franchises. He hasn't separated the two Oh, these characters. aren't diehard sequels. No. These aren't oh, unbreakable sequels. <laughs> In that case, fantastic. Wow. <laughs> and this has been M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan's greatest twist trip. of all. The greatest trick M. Night Shyamalan ever <laughs> pulled on mankind was to not let us know that the diehard sequels were actually unbreakable sequels. <laughs> You know what? We don't need to write the new Die Hard that's film. His, that's his boyhood. Yeah, exactly. He's been working on this project for 15 years. It's an elaborate piece of work. That's funny. That makes sense. That makes sense. And if you told me that, I'd be like, because oh. the whole point of Unbreakable is it's the origin story of, an, uh, of a superhero. And so the other two films make sense. I wonder if Bruce is aware. Maybe he is aware of that. Um, I think you have to go back to the building. I think the next Die Hard film goes back to a building. Okay, here's how Like it's it. a return to the original building because the building's great. You do it in the same way that Jurassic World sort of clumsily did it and 21 Jump Street did it quite well, which is you comment on the fact that Bruce is going back to Nakatomi Plaza. Like he's going back to the scene where he became legend. Right. But things have changed. The things that he did in 87 or 88, whenever the film came out, it's different now. Right. Now that he's like a guy who's almost 60 years old. But you still give him those same qualities of being a diehard. Right. Well, maybe I he, mean, because he's stubbornly refusing to get well, a pension card. Well, no, maybe he's back there for like, you know, some ceremony. His daughter's some, getting married. They have, no, I think they're having oh. some sort of commemoration of, of the like, terrorist attack of right. whenever, October 18th. Right. When it was. 1018. So, so what what did we say the first meal 1988 is that what we said? Oh yeah 8788. 8788. So like so it's yeah so it's yeah okay 30 year anniversary. Yeah. Like so we're coming up to the 30 year anniversary so of the Nakatomi first event Plaza happened. are having their like you know uh, and they invited John McClane the hero of Nakatomi right. the Nakatomi siege. But the thing is they've got this new high tech security system so the people who are running this new system are like all like you know but of course this would never happen these yeah, yeah, days yeah, yeah. because you we, know we have this like you know, where the crack security team and your old school wise, they're all very modern in their ways. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and you, and you flip the, because sort of, Nakatomi Plaza was in that height of that kind of Japanese paranoia, you know, like right. that sort of high tech espionage, you know, Japanese paranoia. And so you flip that and say, well, no, Japan are like uh, our friend. You've got to find, so everything that he goes in with these preconceived biases against the Japanese or Nakatomi Plaza or Europeans, 
That's what it's got to be. It's because you're a trash villain. So maybe a German company bought out Nakatomi Plaza. Right. And uh, they're all like got the long hair like that one henchman. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? But they're actually, because Germany has shifted to becoming like one of the most progressive countries right, absolutely. on the planet. So uh, it's, it's actually... Letting more a, refugees come in than any other country. Renewable for energy. Yeah, yeah exactly. the, the company that bought, a, bought Nakatomi Plaza are, are in renewable energy. It's one of those open plan offices where people right. ride scooters around. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And so Bruce is a fish out of water again. Because right. he's a fucking dinosaur, right? Uh, so then do you... Because this is this new model of German efficiency and technology and like, you know, the open world. Yeah. So, are there terrorists? Has to be. Well, I mean, here's the thing. But we live in a world of terrorism now, so it's got to be more clever than just... Like it's the, like a group of bad guys. Right. It's got to be something... So what is... I mean, the thing about the original diehard terrorists were yeah. that they weren't... They were smart and sophisticated. They had a, 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 they had a plan that was not politically motivated. They just were thieves. They were just highly skilled, ruthless thieves. So it's kind of got to be something like that. But also the other thing about the Die Hard films at their best, and I would say Die Hard with a Vengeance falls mm. in this category as well, is, and, uh, you know, and actually even in the second one, is all the um, criminals, all the, like, you know, uh, plans of, like, the, you know, the terrorists or the people who've got the plots going on, they're all kind of, if you were showing Ocean's Eleven from the other side, yeah, they all have quite great intricate plans. Yeah. So that whoever they are, these terrorists or the people who take over or whatever, they've got to have some like intricate scheme because mm. that's always good that he foils some sort of level yeah, of all yeah, these. Yeah. But I'm just wondering if so the goal if the goal of the original terrorists was like, you know, just the money, yeah. is that still the motivation for these terrorists? Or is there something more valuable these day this these days? Like is it sort of like intel, like, you know, um, well, like are they you hackers? Know, you mean like oh, no, they're, they're sort of done that in Die Hard Four? Yeah, no, it, but but less hackers and more like you know, this is the age of like uh, data mining or open information, like WikiLeaks and all those sort of things. Maybe. Okay, oh, so maybe maybe this uh, rather than being like a, a renewable energy building, maybe there's some kind of confidential information in there. I mean, renewable energy, like I mean, because obviously if you if you're doing renewable energy, you've got all the major oil corporations and big energy corporations yes. that could be... Oh, that, that's, oh, that's perfect. That's the bad guys. Right. It's a team of mercenaries. Which is also team. very of now. Yes. That big energy is yeah. the evil. Yeah, team of mercenaries. So, so we can actually make some social commentary yeah. here. So a team okay. of mercenaries have been brought together by uh, big oil and, yeah. and, and coal. <laughs> yeah, big coal. To take out, to take out this... Uh, it's, like, it's like Tesla. You know, they've they've produced a renewable energy battery that'll be affordable, installed in every home. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, fossil fuels are trying to take it down. So then what happens? (laughs) But also, Bruce Willis, perfect for um, Bruce Willis in this situation, is the idea that, like, you know, he's still... Like, renewable energy is not his jam. Yeah, that's right. He finds a milk... He's eating a burger. Eating a burger. Yeah. He goes to to the cafeteria. Using spray-on deodorant. He goes to the cafeteria... (laughs) And he can't recognise any of the foods because okay. there's no fries. It's like green beans and right. you know, there's like tofu burgers and stuff like that. It's oh, like, yeah. He drives his old uh, petrol-powered yeah, car yeah, 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 yeah. up to the I... place where everyone's got their cars that plug in. Yeah, yeah. And he exactly. like goes into a place and he yeah. can't plug it in. Yeah, yeah perfect. All right, so I think, is... I think we've established the first yeah. 15 minutes of the film. <laughs> <laughs> we get what it is. But uh, what happens? I mean, I, so do we just follow the same kind of beats of the first film then? Why not? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're here to see. Right. 
Isn't that what you want to see? If yeah. they if like, they did a good twist on the first one. Okay, so I think we just I, I'm happy to do that and say that's the film. But what is the emotional uh, conflict of John McClane? Because it can't just be enough. He's in town for this memorial of you know the Tommy <laughs> siege. His daughter's got to be getting married, or um, uh, his wife's got to be Holly. Is well, that's be. I mean, but what better opportunity for a reunion of some kind with his wife? Than the anniversary oh, of she's awkwardly brought back and right. uh, yeah yeah that's perfect right that's perfect and do we um, bring in uh, Mary Stewart last no what's her name uh, his daughter you know she was in Scott Pilgrim she's three barrel name uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead okay sure do you know what I'm talking about yeah but yeah. I but I don't know what it okay she's his daughter in Die Hard Four okay so and Jai Courtney do we have to bring Jai Courtney back I mean we don't have to Jai Courtney's off fighting crime somewhere. <laughs> uh, no, there's a scene where he's on, they Skype. He's like, hey, oh, hey, good. Dad. Yeah. Sorry I couldn't be there to see you. Have a great mission. I definitely won't, you definitely won't be there. Right. You won't be seeing me again. But maybe it's one of those things where if it's an anniversary, maybe you can even introduce some old characters because they could have some people back, right? Um, Is there any chance you could have like... Uh, for example, could the newsreader guy yes. from the first two Walter films Peck from Ghostbusters be covering like the 30th year, yes. for example? Yeah, and, and you bring Reginald Van Hudson, Family Matters guy, who was the is, the cop, the cop, yeah. and you could get the uh, yeah, limo wow. driver. What about the limo driver? Yeah, yeah definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, limo drivers there. They're all there, of course. Everyone who's involved in the original set. You yeah. get the FBI agents. In fact, maybe he could get no, he could get picked up in a limo. Yes. <laughs> driven by the son of the guy. Yeah. It's like a family business there. 100%. Yeah. yeah definitely. Because uh, this is the great thing about a anniversary is you've got this excuse to kind of touch on all these characters. So, Holly and him are fighting <laughs> over something. Like, maybe they haven't finalised their divorce yet, or are they... No, I reckon she's with someone new. Ah, yes. And that's a great way to bring in, like, a good kind of comedic actor. Right. Or someone who can play douchebag quite well. Well, not even douchebag. Likeable, but still not right for Holly. Yeah, absolutely. Let's yeah. cast that. Got to be kind of Bruce Willis age, like... Uh, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> no? It's like, because uh, he, he could easily be evil and in on the No, no, but I think Kevin Spacey playing kind of like annoying, like he's a, he's a, he's a kind of uh, a professor of some bullshit course at a university or whatever. And he's sensitive in all the ways that John McClane isn't, you know, and he likes to discuss things. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, he has quick questions about the Nakatomi seeds, like was force required? What happened? What would have happened if John had allowed the FBI to negotiate and, you know, uh, uh, it could have been resolved peacefully without all this loss of life. That's, you make him that kind of character. I think he's too big a star. Okay. Well, are, you, are we going to have a name actor or are you just saying an unknown? Oh, yeah, I think you need a name actor. But Kevin Spacey, to me, is like, he's, he's as big a star as Bruce Willis now. Well, who's a good kind of, like, antagonist character, character actor uh, of that age? He's like, can be like a shit stirrer. Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Is he too young? I mean, Greg Kinnear's got to be, like, age-appropriate for that right now. He's got to be, like, in his 50s. I guess. Well, if he's a younger guy. Right, he's slightly younger. Sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holly's having a midlife crisis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we make it Channing Tatum. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, that's great. And so... Yeah. But Holly doesn't see that. Like, no. Holly just sees a perfect guy, but when... Well, that's what Kinnear can play. Yeah, Kinnear can play a guy smarmy. that actually is, like... Yeah. You know, I you're think, like... No, oh, I don't I'm... think he should be smarmy. I think he should have no. legitimate... 
concerns. He yeah. should just have the opposing view of John McLean, which is like, you know what, diplomacy and negotiation. But he's also, yeah, he's everything that McLean's not. Exactly. His whole life is about, no, 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 the best Analysis. way to resolve situations yeah. is to talk them through. And Holly thinks that's what she wants. Well, but it course. turns out... Because after her because... husband's been involved in like four gigantic terrorist right. attacks, she would be looking for a man who's kind of just the complete opposite of that. Yeah. But through this story, she's going to learn that that's not what she really no, what wants. What she really wants what is she really John McClane. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. So through the story... And then you know what you do? If we're following the beats of the film, so you know how in the original film, there's that uh, slimy guy's like, Hans, booby, I'm your <laughs> white knight. You know that guy, yep. that sleazy, the coke-addicted yep. beard guy? What's his yes. name? Um, anyway, I, I know so, you but you have... Greg Kinnear play that role. So at some stage when halfway through the film, when, you know, things are at sort of breaking point, he says, I'm going to go talk to these mercenaries. And so he goes in and he offers to give up John or some info on that will help them locate John right. in exchange for peace. Because in his mind, well, one man, losing one man and them getting, you know, what they want is better than potential loss of life. Absolutely. And that's a good motivation. Yeah, that's You good. could, it may, may be misguided, but it's, you know, I think that rings true. But that, uh, but that leads to you know he gets obviously they they uh, uh, double cross him and stuff and then Bruce has to win right <laughs> and then the rest is pretty much like the first one yeah that's it so Len Wiseman twentieth century <laughs> Bruce Willis you're fucking welcome yeah we just fucking came up with a, a, a one page pitch of how to do Die Hard what what do you call it. They're German, right? Ah, uh, the company, yeah. 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 D Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>